Hey ladies, welcome to A Raw Christian Life. I'm your host, Shannon, and I created this podcast to reach other women who were in the same position I was in not long ago. Each episode, I dive into the Christian faith and I share my journey. Along the way, I will teach you what I've learned, sharing the raw side of Christianity as I live it. Now, I'm still a new Christian, learning new things every day, but if I have questions, I know other women probably do as well. I will hit on heavy topics and small topics, answering questions, correcting myself when I'm wrong, updating you when what I've learned changes my perspective on topics I've previously discussed. I'll connect with my listeners and invite others to join in on the discussions as well. We'll have guests, fun, and much more. So, if you're questioning your faith, want a deeper understanding of the Christian faith, or are just intrigued, I want to invite you to slip on your comfy socks, pour your favorite drink, and grab your favorite snack, and then come right back here as we dive into this week's episode. I'd like to add a disclaimer that as a new Christian, I do not speak for my church, other believers, or my future self, as my feelings and understandings of topics will change as I develop a deeper understanding of my faith and who God is. Some episodes may contain 18 plus content, so listener discretion is advised. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the continuance of his friends. Proverbs 27.17 Hello ladies! Today's episode's a little different from the normal episode as this is the long-awaited question and answer episode. We have a good amount of questions submitted to get to today, so I'm not going to waste any time and I'm going to get right into the questions, okay? So, first question, what do you see as the hardest aspect of being a Christian? I think for me, the hardest aspect of being a Christian is remembering to put God before myself and those I love in the world. I try to keep on track with it by remembering myself that I'm just a lowly little little human with my many imperfections and I've committed sins in my life and I'll continue to make more throughout my life but the Lord still loves me and he forgives me wants me to grow closer to him despite all of that so just as we try to be pleasing to our earthly parents why wouldn't we do that for the one that ultimately created us that's what I try to keep in the back of my head why would I not put God the one that created us sacrificed a son for us so that he for- could forgive us and that we could join him in his kingdom of eternal life after death um why wouldn't I put him before myself and others so but even with knowing all that it is still very difficult to for me to remember that it's not about me and it's not about my wants anymore it's about God. So prioritizing, apparently I struggle with that word, ladies. So yeah, prioritizing God, time with him and his will above what I want, I would say is the hardest aspect of being a Christian for me at least. 
Okay, so next question. How do you recognize you have sin and what do you do after that recognition? I'll be honest, sometimes it's hard to recognize that I've sinned. Well, maybe that's not the correct way to phrase it, but it can be. When you're used to living life like a certain way and you're trying to make changes, it can be difficult. It can be difficult to look in the moment, I guess. It'd be difficult in the moment to realize that you're doing things that you no longer wanted to be doing. But I still wouldn't say that that's the hardest part for me. The hardest part is changing the behavior after. Uh, I It's made clear that the behavior is or the behaviors are sinful. Um, it states in John 4, 17, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It also says in 1 John 1, 8, 10, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So it's hard to explain exactly how I recognize when I'm sinning, because unless you've been taught or read that your actions are a sin, you, you might not recognize them as so. Um, so I'm going to focus on more of what I would do, what I do after I recognize that my actions are sinful. So when you recognize that you're sinning, you then have to do two things. So after I realize that I've been sinning or I know that I've sinned, I repent. That's the first thing that I do. That doesn't mean that I go, you know, to church and do that necessarily. That simply means that I pray to God acknowledging that I've sinned what the sin is, and I ask for forgiveness. I ask God to guide me, to give me strength to stop committing that sin, and if the sin involved somebody else, then I also ask for their forgiveness as well. So, for instance, I used to, to curse a lot, and now when I curse, if I am on the phone with a person, I tell them I'm sorry for using that language, and I ask them to forgive me, and then I pray asking for God's forgiveness for using that unpure language as well. It doesn't stop there, though. Um, after I've done the repenting, as I said, there's two things that you do. After I've done the repenting, I work towards trying to change the behavior so that it don't commit the sin again. I think that's the most important part to that question is what you do after the recognition. And that's what you do. You have to do two things. In the Bible, it states, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In Matthew 26, 41. And then in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it states, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is a common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may not be able to bear it. First John 1 John 1.9 it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those are just like three examples that I use when I am feeling like I'm 
um, in a time of temptation. They remind me that God doesn't expect perfection from me. He, but he does expect me to be working towards getting better every day. Um, it also reminds me that he's still going to forgive me, but that he's not going to let me be tempted with something that I I can't make the choice to turn away from. The temptation's not above me. So I added in a little extra information there. I know whenever I gave you the the Bible verses at the end, but I think it's important to also know how I do those things. And since that portion wasn't asked, I wanted to throw it in there for you. So, okay, next question. What advice can you give for a Christian who is finding it hard to make time for God beyond the quick daily devotional reading? Okay. Um, I think this is a place that all Christians might struggle with. I know I've had some conversations with people that are not new Christians that still struggle with finding time or making time for God beyond um, a small daily devotional reading or small prayer as they're normal. But, um, and I even struggle with this. I have a routine that I like to stick to, but being human, eh, well, it gets in the way, if I'm honest. (laughs) Um, I let unimportant things take over. So I would say the first thing to finding time, like if you're finding it hard to make time for God, is to start small. Um, So I would say start small and start building a routine. This can be, okay, you're already doing your daily devotional reading. That was in the question. So I would say add a five minute quiet prayer time after your devotional reading each day. So do that for a couple of days. And then if you're really busy person, like up until recently, I was a pretty busy person. Um, Anytime that you find that you have 10 minutes to fill throughout the day, look up a Bible verse or look up another devotional, look up anything or get your Bible out. If you're somebody that carries your Bible with you everywhere, just get your Bible out, say a quick little prayer, open it up and read, you know, the first chapter that strikes you or the, you know, the first couple of verses that catch your eye. You can set reminders on your phone. You can put sticky notes. You can do different things to make sure that you're getting your time in or trying to get that time in more and more each day. Think about it this way. Instead of spending 30 minutes in the morning scrolling through Facebook while you have your morning cup of coffee, why don't you spend 30 minutes reading your Bible while you drink that cup of coffee? The more often that you can find that you can get time in with God instead of doing mindless tasks, I think is the key to getting more time in with God. If you're struggling, look for areas of your life where you are not completing a goal that there are tasks to an achievement. Like you're trying to get the house clean, so you have to mop the floors. You have to, you know, those are important tasks that you have to get done to achieve the bigger goal of a clean house. Okay, those are tasks that still probably need to be done because your household still needs to be taken care of. But if you are, let's say you're doing those tasks and then you're taking um, a 30-minute 
minute break every couple of hours and all you're doing is sitting down scrolling through your phone sit down and open up your bible that would be my number one tip is to just start opening your bible or have like get on amazon and order you some prayer cards and every time you find yourself reaching for your phone or doing mindless things that you don't really get any joy from or don't have any purpose get out one of those read it pray on it you know if you're feeling up to it you can write like a little journal entry about it try that that would be a good way to get some extra time in with god just carry those with you and randomly throughout the day read one okay next question who is your favorite woman in the bible and why i'm gonna be honest this is an area i'm lacking This question actually made me realize how much I'm lacking in this area of knowledge. Um, I know that there is a handful of prominent women in the Bible. I know a few of their names, but I've not read or been taught much about them yet. So it's because of this question that I've made it a goal for me this year to learn more about them. I'm going to do a Bible study on the women of the Bible. So thank you to the listener that submitted this question. You have helped me identify one of the areas that I need to, I need to better in. So once I've learned more and I decide upon a favorite woman in the Bible, I will come back here and I will answer this question more thoroughly for you ladies. Next question. If God forgives our sins, why must we choose to quote unquote let go of that sinful behavior rather than allowing God to keep forgiving it? Ah, I'm going to be honest. I sometimes feel like this is a question that non-Christians use to try to like trip up Christians. But I know that this question came from a fellow Christian and that the intentions behind it were not vicious or vindictive. So I'm going to go ahead and address it. I just wanted to give you guys that information as well. I'm going to reference a situation to kind of explain how I look at this relationship and like sin and letting go and all of that. I'm going to relate it to something that um, a lot of humans struggle with. Um, So as humans, we're addicted to a lot of things in this world that that makes society and life easier. Not all of these addictions are sinful, but once they become addictions, they are sinful. I'm not going to get into all of that right now, but so in a normal like human earthly parent-child relationship, when uh, the child is an addict, most of the time the parent doesn't just give up on that person or vice versa. I mean, there are some situations where the parent's the addict and the children don't just give up on them. They'll continue to extend their hand out. They still love them. They want to be there for them no matter how many times they relapse, no matter what they do, how many lies they tell, how many things they steal. They are there for them They because they want to be. Now, eventually, most of the time this gets to a point where the sober party, whether that's the child or the parent, they have to cut ties with the addicted person. And even though they cut ties with them, they still love them. They still want what's best for them. They still feel disappointed and sad, but they distance themselves. If when the addict becomes sober, 
a lot of times the other party will welcome them back into their everyday lives again and welcome them back home again. But most of the time, that relationship is strained. Now, let's turn this around and say that this is the same with God. As I said earlier, I think that as humans, we get addicted to a lot of things in society, and some of those addictions are sinful. So it's the same thing. God is our Heavenly Father. He is our true and original creator, and he has asked us to stay away from sinful behaviors. He does forgive us when we mess up, but he doesn't just say, oh, okay, well, these people are going to sin no matter what. We have to acknowledge that and we have to try to let go of it because after so many times of relapsing, a parent is not going to welcome their child back home. So whenever you continue to sin over and over and over again, it doesn't strain God's feelings for you. It strains your relationship with God. That's the same as in any traditional parent-child, addict, sober, party, enabler, if you want to let it, you know, you want to say it that far, but we're not getting into all of those things. I'm just trying to put it in a way that that you guys can better understand. Um, it helps me to understand. God doesn't ask us for a lot. He asks us to acknowledge him. He asks us to ask for his forgiveness and to try to be better. And then, you know, when we do mess up, he asks us to acknowledge it and ask for his forgiveness again. But it's it's just, it's not that difficult. So why would we want to keep putting that wall between us? When we do that, our relationship, I mean, it falters. So you don't want to, even addicts don't want want to continue to put their parents through what they're putting them through in the midst of addiction. So why would we want to keep putting that wall between us and God? We know that he's going to forgive us, but why would we want to keep letting him down, so to say? Why would we want to keep doing things that we don't necessarily have or need to do um, when we know that it puts a strain on that relationship? So that's why we need to choose to let go. It's because we are the only ones that are hindering our relationship. And so, it, but if we simply let that behavior go, we can grow closer to God instead of hindering that relationship. Next question. What is your favorite verse? Okay, so this one I really had to think about. There are a lot of good verses throughout the Bible, but instead of just picking one, don't be mad at me, I picked my top three. And they each speak to me in a different way, so I just, I wanted to get all three of them out there. <laughs> so the first verse, and these are in no particular order. The first verse I'm going to say is, Two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they that... heat but how can one be warm alone and if one prevail against him two shall withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken Ecclesiastes 4 9 through 12 
that verse is about friendship and accountability. And it reminds me that it's okay to guide others and to have others guide us in our Christian walk because it strengthens our bond with God. The second verse I chose (laughs) is, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all these things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. John 15, 15. This verse has spoken to me since the beginning of my Christian walk. And it's one that has stuck with me the entire time. Others have come and go. So I would say that this is like the closest thing I would call to a life verse. And it speaks to me because I used to think of God as this being that looks down upon us for our mistakes and that he thinks of us as lessers or like subservience to him. And yes, that is the, you know, overall um, gist of a religion whenever you're worshiping God, but not necessarily. So this verse proved me wrong. It proved that he just wants the best for us and that he's willing to guide us with his love. And the, my favorite part of it is, but I have called you friends because it really showed me that he he has that love for us too. It's, it's not the type of relationship that I thought it was. And the last verse. Likewise, you wives, be subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by a conversation of the wives. 1 Peter 3.1 This verse is telling me that it's okay to be saved um while being with an unsaved man so and that i'm not to push my religion onto him i'm just supposed to live by examples and that the holy spirit will work within him so i i really like that verse because it speaks to my specific situation Alrighty. Next question. How do you feel your walk in faith has been in the last month? In the past month, I feel like my walk has been stronger than it was previously, but I also feel like I have a lot of room for growth. I've had a lot of personal things happen in my life lately that have kind of put a wedge. I've still been doing my devotionals, but I haven't been able to attend church as much. I haven't been as active in my faith. So I would say that God has lit a fire within me, but in the past month, my own self has gotten in the way, but it's getting stronger. Next, what so far has been your favorite day in your walk with faith? I don't really know if I have a favorite day. Every day is different. I grow and I learn multiple times a day. Every day brings a new blessing and brings more knowledge into my life and something different to my walk. So um, I would have to say, though, if I picked a specific day, the day I got baptized was a big day for me. It was um, not something I did when I was younger, so it meant more for me. And my mom, my husband, and my daughter were all there along with my best friend and her family. And my mom's significant other was also there to witness me being baptized. So if I had to choose a favorite day in my walk in faith, it would probably be that one. What book have you read the most in the Bible and why? Uh, Again, I'm going to be completely honest. I have not read every book in the Bible. I've read bits and pieces from each book, I think. There might be a couple I have not touched on, but 
for the most part, I think I've read at least a portion of each book. I would say so far, Psalms is my favorite. There, I mean, it's a very large book in the Bible with over 150 chapters, but there are so many powerful messages. Next, what does Christianity mean to you? Uh, I love this question. I wanted to really make sure I addressed it when it came through. It's hard to put into like a simple one-line sentence or really voice what Christianity means to me, but for me, Christianity is a foundation of life. It's the foundation of the person who I want to be and the way in which I want to live my life, treat others. It's the foundation. It's not just a lifestyle. It's not just a phase I'm going through. Christianity is a, it, it's a foundation of, for my life. Christianity means that you have a community that you can lean on. It means hope. It means less fear. Christianity is just so much. It's hard to put what Christianity means to me. But I would say that when you think of the foundation of something, you think of it as the most important stepping stone, starting base for whatever that may be, whether it's a building or a science project or a home. That's what Christianity is for me. It is a foundation of life. How was your walk with God affected during the time of your father's death? So I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I have touched based on this in the past, but... I honestly pulled away from God when my father passed away. I didn't do it on purpose, and uh, many people may not know that it's something that you can do without realizing it, but it is. And it took somebody else pointing it out to me for me to realize. Once I did realize, though, I, I feel like my walk with God was made stronger after I forgave him. Um, and I don't mean God didn't need my forgiveness. I let go of the anger I held towards God for losing my dad. And after that, my walk with God, I feel, became stronger. If you are a newer listener and you have not listened to all of my past episodes, I would highly recommend going back and listening to episode nine, which is about my grief journey. If you or somebody you're close to is struggling with grief, I recommend it. And if you want more information on what I went through there in that time and how I got through it, that's the episode to to listen to. How did you or do you keep your Christian composure to people on the outside world when they upset you? Or how do you handle problems now as a Christian? This is an area I struggle in. I've always been, people call it hot-headed. Um, I, I um, have never heard myself described as an even-tempered person. Um, it's something I am working on, but it's also something that I struggle with. So I still struggle with it from time to time, but I try to start each morning with a prayer that God will give me wisdom and kindness in my speech. Um, I ask him to keep my mind on him so that I can respond instead of reacting in all situations. And throughout the day, anytime that I am able to get through a situation or I'm able to keep my composure, I thank God for that. I'll say a short little prayer and continue to ask him to guide me. But it is hard because it's a lot easier to jump off in a 
split second with an attitude or foul language to get someone to listen to you. And I did that for over 30 years of my life. So keeping Christian composure to me means that I am exemplifying God and how I react to situations. So it's not something that I am a master at, but it's something that I work towards every day. And the important thing that I think in trying to handle problems in a Christian way is, again, to respond instead of react. And that simply means that if somebody says something to you and you immediately pop off at the mouth with something, that's reacting. It's like fight or flight. Those are both reactions. But if you want to respond, you take time and you have patience and wisdom and you don't use your emotions in the moment. I hope that was a thorough enough answer. I really don't know how to explain thoroughly how I keep my Christian composure because it's something that I'm still working on. Have you ever battled addiction and if so, how did you overcome it? I have not personally battled addiction. Um, I try to be encouraging, loving, and graceful with those in my life that have or are battling addiction. And I have a lot of respect for anybody that has gone through that battle and is continuing to face that fight every day and win. But I personally have not had to face that battle. How are you incorporating God in your house with your husband as an atheist and is he okay with you praying and etc. around him? He is. He is okay with it. I incorporate God in small ways in my home. I have a space where I have my Bible and everything Christian related such as cross and my bookmarks for church and my pictures of church family. All of that stuff is in one spot. And I I play Christian music in the car, at home, I read my Bible, I pray, and I do everything in the open and in front of my husband. I keep nothing hidden from him. I do not feel like it helps me or him any. I don't feel like there's any benefit to hiding it. That makes it seem shameful to me, and my faith is not something that I am shameful of. Though he is not a believer, he supports my my decision in being a believer and he does not feel it is his place to push me to or away from that decision. That is something that he feels strongly is an, an individual step to take and so he is okay with it. What are a few changes you have made to yourself during your walk with God? I made a full episode on changes I've made so I'm not going to address this question as much but I do want to say if you're starting your faith journey or you're struggling in your faith journey please just take it one step and day at a time. I've made a lot of changes over the last year and there are still several that I'm currently working on changing. Every day something new pops up every day I find a new flaw of myself and I'm okay with that. The important thing is, is that I know I can be better tomorrow. That's the, I think, biggest change I've made in myself is being positive and knowing that my faith walk may not have been very strong today, but there is always tomorrow. 
Now, that is all of the questions that were submitted for this episode. But I want to extend it a little bit and answer some of the questions on here that I've heard just out in the world. So there's only a few and most of them are quick little answers, but I'll get right into those. First one is, do you watch Christian-based movies? And if so, what is your favorite one? I do watch some Christian-based movies, and so far, my favorite one is War Room. It's a movie by the Kendrick Brother, and it features Priscilla Shire as one of the main characters, and I'd highly recommend watching this movie. It's a well-done movie, but not only that, it's convicting, and there is a very powerful message behind it. What is your favorite church hymn? I have two favorites. The first one is Victory in Jesus, and the second one is Christ, the Solid Rock I Stand. Do you have any favorite Christian songs that are not church hymns? I have a lot of songs on my Spotify playlist that are not church hymns, but I'm just going to name a couple. The first song that I heard when I turned on Christian music was a song by Ann Wilson, and it's called Sunday Sermons, and I still absolutely love this song. She just really has a beautiful gift, and I like her music. Everything that I've heard by her has been good. Another one that I find myself wanting to listen to a little more often than others is God is in the Story by Katie Nicole and Big Daddy Weave. There's a lot of others, but I could sit here all day and continue to name songs. So I'm going to stick with just the two for now. The last question was one that was not just asked to me. It was one that I have a group of girls that I talk to and it was a question that was asked of all of us and it was what advice would you give to a new Christian? Now, I'm going to give you all four pieces of the advice because I think they are all really great pieces of advice for any new Christian out there that might be listening. First, everyone's different in their walks. And so the first piece of advice that would be given was to listen to the cliches. No one's perfect. So don't pressure yourself into trying to be that quote-unquote perfect Jesus because Jesus is and always will be the only perfect one that's ever watched this earth. The second piece of advice that would be given for new Christians is to listen and ask questions. Listen to God's word being preached. Listen to the words of the hymns. Listen to that advice and things said by mature Christians and ask questions. Figure out what's biblical versus what's opinion and ask why things are done the way they are done. Ask about anything you don't know or don't understand and don't be afraid to do so. Third piece of advice is to shut your mind off so you can hear God speaking to you. If you don't know something, ask and never be afraid to do so. Also, if you're feeling heavy hearted or Christians will refer to this as being convicted, make sure to ask for God's forgiveness. And the last piece of advice is to go church shopping until you feel your heart calling you that you found your church. Not every church teaches the same way. Don't always take what a Christian says to heart. Ask questions. Read your Bible. It has the best answers. Pray all the time and always be open-minded because if you can't
can't explain it, then it was God's work. So that's it. That's it for our episode. I really hope everyone enjoyed it. I would like to send out a special thank you to those who submitted questions for this episode. I hope everyone was able to get something from it. And even if that was just to connect with me on a little bit more of a personal level. If you enjoyed this episode, please promote it. Share it on Facebook. Send it to a friend. If you're liking the podcast overall, give us a review and subscribe. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to reach out to me and connect, you can do so through our Facebook page, A Raw Christian Life. It has the same profile picture as our episode covers, or you can reach me by email at arawchristianlife at gmail.com. I want to once again thank everyone that submitted questions for this episode, and as I promised, I did the drawing of the names of those who have submitted questions, and the winner of the drawing is Nicole. So congratulations, Nicole. I will be reaching out to you with more information on this and to send you your prize. I hope everyone stays happy and continues to focus on God's blessings in their lives. But for now, let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you. We are so thankful for another day on this earth. We have so many blessings, Lord, that we cannot even begin to thank you for all of them. But we want to try, Lord. We want to try to say thank you. We want to show our gratitude for everything that you have blessed us with. Thank you again, Lord, for bringing my listeners back each week and putting it on their hearts to stay with this podcast. I thank you for having the wisdom and the clear speech to be able to put this episode together. And I thank you for your guidance on each of the episodes. Lord, there are so many people in the world that need you right now. And we just want to ask that you be with anybody that needs you, whether that is health, uh, physical or mental, whether that is a death in the family or comfort or whatever their needs be, Lord, reach down to your children, touch them with your healing hands and help them. We continue to come to you, Lord, as all things are only possible through you and with you. And we will continue to be here and follow your will, Lord. If you make it known unto us, we want to do that for you. We ask that you continue to be here and just continue to be our heavenly father. You're so great and we love you. In Jesus name. Amen.